Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Winning Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, we've got a great show for you. It's Brendan Schaefer. He does a great job of being able to cover the St. Louis Cardinals for both KMOV, that is the CBS affiliate out there in the city of St. Louis, along with his podcast, the B. Schaefer Daily Podcast. Going to be asking him about the NL Central in the second segment, asking about the intriguing St. Louis Cardinals as they're currently dealing with some injuries with the pitching staff. They've also got John Gant, a guy that, well, I do think that there's going to be a lot of regression with towards the back half of the season. So we're going to be chatting with Brendan in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this Thursday. And a little something I like to call touch them off first things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind the letters EM. They mean does not matter, so always send those into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we did have a lot of fun baseball on Wednesday, so let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. For the first time all season, the LA Angels were able to win a series of at least three games. 6-1 the final in this one. For Brad Keller, he winds up getting lit up in this one. Gives up five runs over the course of five and a third innings from there. Kyle Zimmer is able to give you five outs without giving up a run. Wade Davis gives up a run out of the bullpen, but for the LA Angels, Griffin Canning was very good in this one. Six and two-thirds innings, gives up one run. Rossiel Glacius, now is his ERA down to a 375. He's been on a good run lately. Scoreless inning, Mike Myers, he's able to give you four outs. And for the Angels, no home runs, but they go three of 11 with Ben in scoring position. Very balanced attack with nine hits, so they were able to get it done. The St. Louis Cardinals were certainly sliding. They were on a six-game losing streak. They take it to the Cleveland Indians by a count of 8-2. Obviously, we're going to be asking our good buddy Brendan about the St. Louis team a little bit later, but how about for Mr. John Carlos Mejia? Not necessarily the start he was hoping for. He gives up four runs and records two outs for the Cleveland Indians. He's probably not going to be getting too many starts for them moving forward. Phil Maiden, he gives up two runs in two and a third innings. Trevor Steven, he winds up giving up two runs in an inning himself. James Karinczak gives you a scoreless inning. Kel Quantrill, he winds up giving you two scoreless innings. You also get a scoreless inning out of Blake Parker, but for the Cleveland Indians, 
They did not get the deep ball in this one as Adam Wainwright, very solid start. On the road, he has been terrible. At home, he's been solid. Two runs given up over the course of seven innings. Genesis Cabrera along with Ryan Aisley. Both were able to give you a scoreless inning and for the St. Louis Cardinals. Paul Goldschmidt, who has not necessarily had the world's greatest year, hitting a two fifty one, his eighth home run of the year, and he has not been on the injured list. And a guy that spent a little bit of time on the injured list but is still mashing, that would be Tyler O'Neill. Not one, but two home runs in this one. His 14th and 15th of the season. So, much needed out there for the St. Louis Cardinals. If you're looking out there in the NL Central, the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to a 7-3 win. This is a Reds team that they have been a little bit up and down all year long. They were able to take to the St. Louis Cardinals, but prior to that, they have been scuffling a little bit themselves. And for Brett Anderson, it has been a scuffle all year long. Gives up five runs, four of which were earned in three innings. Eric Lauer, in super long relief, gives up two runs in four innings. Eric Yardley gives you a scoreless setting in. For the Milwaukee Brewers, you were able to get a home run off the bat of Daniel Vogelback. That came when it was way too late off of Heath Embry, his fifth of the season. But for the Brewers, 0 of 10 with men in scoring position. Offense, still a concern for this team. And for the Cincinnati Reds, you wind up having Vladimir Gutierrez give you a seven-inning start, gives up two runs in the process. Embry gives up that home run in four outs. Amir Garrett is able to give you a pair of outs. But for the Reds, despite not getting home run, 5 of 14 with men in scoring position, they're averaging right around 6.8-ish runs per game at home so far this year. So they have been dominant with that regard. The Chicago Cubs were the biggest underdog to be able to cash on Wednesday as north of 230 underdogs in some places. Three to one winners. They wind up taking it to their former teammate in U Darvish, who still a good start in this one. He gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. They give up home run. Emilio Pagan from there gives up a solo home run. And Tim Hill able to give you a scoreless setting for the Chicago Cubs. It was Doc Peterson who was able to give you a seventh home run of the season. And then you wind up getting the first home run of the season from Mr. Sergio Alcantara as for the Cubs. Jake Arrieta was good Jake Arrieta in this one. Gives up one run in five innings. Rex Brothers, Craig Kimbrell both give you a scoreless setting. And for Kimbrell, 15th save of the season. Rocking a 0.72 ERA and Ryan Tapera. Two scoreless settings. So the Cubs, a team that has been highly inconsistent home to road. 21 and 10 at home. Now 14 and 17 on the road. The Colorado Rockies wound up getting a road win. This is not a test. This is not an onion story. 4-3, to three, they take down the Miami Marlins for their fifth road win of the season. For the Colorado Rockies, no home runs in this one, just 3 of 12 with men in scoring position, but Austin Gomber gives up one run over the course of five innings. You wind up having two runs in an inning given up by Tyler Kinley, but then from there, Michael Givens, one and a third inning scoreless. Carlos Estevez gives you a pair of outs, and then Daniel Bard is able to close the door. And for the Miami Marlins, you wind up having Braxton Garrett get his first start in quite a while. He gives up two runs over the course of four innings. Bullpen from there was solid. John Curtis with two S's on the back half of it. He winds up giving up an unearned run, and Adam Simber gives up a run in an inning, but Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender, Dylan Flora all give you a scoreless inning. For the Marlins, 10 men left on base, 1 of 6 with men in scoring position. This is a team that they're in the bottom 7 in pretty much every offensive category, and it showed on this night. Not a lot of offense out there on the East Coast either. The Pittsburgh Pirates wind up losing to the LA Dodgers by a count of 2-1. to one. For the Dodgers, Tony Gonsolin gets his first start of the year. He gives up 5 walks and 2 hits and records 5 outs. Only gives up 1 run in the process as the Dodgers bullpen. A combined 7 and 3rd inning scoreless. They work their way out of that 2nd inning mess, and then from there, they're able to get things going. How about Victor Gonzalez and Kenley Jansen both giving you 4 outs, and for Jansen, 14th save of the year. He's got a buck 75 ERA. He's actually been solid. Joe Kelly a scoreless inning. David Price 2 scoreless. Blake trying 5 outs. And for the Dodgers, they do wind up leaving 10 men on base, but they win this game on the bat of Justin Turner down for what? His 10th and 11th home runs of the season. Those both come off of Tyler Anderson, who he gives up 2 solo home runs in 6 innings. That's not a bad start, Play. Holmes is able to give you a scoreless inning. David Bernard, Sam Howard, they combine for two scoreless, but for the Pirates, blown opportunities early on in this game. They leave 10 men on base. That winds up dooming them. Out there in the state of Pennsylvania as well, the Phillies are able to take to the Atlanta Braves by a count of 2-1 to one for the Bravos. 2 of 8 with men in scoring position, but they weren't able to get a whole heck of a lot going outside of that. You have Tucker Davidson give you six scoreless innings. A very good start from an unexpected source. They go into the ninth inning up by a count of 1-0, to zero, and then Will Smith gets shaky with it. He winds up giving up a walk-off home run. Going deep for the Philadelphia Phillies in this one. 
Luke Williams, his first career home run was a walk-off. Zach Eflin was out. Eflin awful. He gives up one run in six innings. Rangers Suarez is able to come in for a super long relief. Three scoreless innings there. So for the Atlanta Braves, missed opportunity as Tyler Maddox and Caleb Martin both give you a scoreless inning at the bullpen as well. You were able to get a lot of scoreless innings out of the New York Metropolitans, and they absolutely handed it to Matt Harvey. 14-1 the final. For Matt Harvey, the dark night continues to fall. Seven runs given up in three innings out. He's 7.41 ERA. Adam Plutko goes two innings. He gives up one run. You wind up having two innings of relief given by someone that I've never heard of before with the last name Scroller. So there was that aspect of it, and he gave up six runs, all of which were earned. You know that if I have never heard of you before, it is not necessarily going well for you. And then you wind up having a pair of other guys who wind up giving you a scoreless setting, Dylan Tate and Cesar Valdez for the Baltimore Orioles. One of six with men in squaring position as Taiwan Walker continues to be terrific. Gives up one run over the course of seven innings. Was able to get nine punch outs. Jurisic Familia, Seth Lugo, they both give you a scoreless setting. And for the New York Metropolitans, just a parade in this one. Kevin Pillar, two home runs. His third and fourth of the season. Billy McKinney, two home runs. His sixth and seventh of the campaign. And then you wind up getting the first home run of the season for Mason Williams. As I found out, it is Max Kroller, who is the gentleman that wound up giving up those six runs for the Baltimore Orioles. If you've never heard of him, well, until his podcast, neither have I. So, there is that aspect of it. The Houston Astros, I've heard of them, though. They were able to take down the Boston Red Sox by a count of 8-3. to three. For the Astros, it was a joint effort between Jake Odorizzi and Christian Avier. For Avier, I feel like he should be the starter, and I feel like he proved it. Gave up one hit, no runs over the course of four innings. For Odorizzi, gives up three runs in five innings, including home run going deep for the Boston Red Sox in this one. Xander Bogarts is 11th, but for the Houston Astros, this offense continues to roll. Four-plus runs in now 20 out of their last 25 games. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, both wind up going deep for our, the Astros in this one. For Nathan Eovaldi, just his third home run of the season, give it up to Jose Altuve. That was his 10th. And then for Bregman, it was his 7th that comes off of Phil Valdez, who gives up two runs in an inning. Garrett Woodlock gives up a run in an inning out of the bullpen. Brandon Workman was able to give you a scoreless inning, but for Nathan Eovaldi, gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including 11 hits in five and two-thirds innings as Darwinson Hernandez was able to give you in out out of the bullpen as well for the Blue Jays. How about Alec Manoa being able to emerge as a good starter for the team? 6-2. His Blue Jays wind up taking down the White Sox as for Manoa. Manoa, what? He wasn't too bad. Gives up two runs, only one of which was earned over the course of five innings. Vlager Jr. had an error out there in the field, but Tim Mazza, Jordan Romano, Tyler Chatwood, Anthony Castro all give you scoreless settings out of the bullpen. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, Randall Gritchick is able to get a home run off of Lance Lynn, his 13th of the season for Lance Lynn. And it wasn't a bad start in this one. He gives up one runner over the course of seven innings, and then the bullpen winds up lighting this game on fire. Matt Foster in... An inning of relief finds a giving up two runs, one of which was earned. Aaron Bummer, he was a bummer in this one. He gets one out, gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Cody Earworth was able to give you a pair of outs. And for the White Sox as well, how about four errors in this one? That is not going to help you out. Gave the Blue Jays extra outs, so that was not necessarily too terrific. The New York Yankees, they were terrific. They take down the Minnesota Twins by a count of 96 for Garrett Cole. There were a lot of questions with regards to, was he doctoring the ball as Josh Donaldson wound up asking that question? He does give up two solo home runs, but gives up two runs over the course of six innings going deep. Miguel de Sano was able to get his 12th home run this season. Ore Palonco was able to take him deep. And then he would notch another home run off of Brooks Kriske, who did not wind up having a good night. He gives up four runs in an inning. Lewis Cecil was able to give you two scoreless, but for the New York Yankees, fortunately, John Carlos Stanton was able to get online his 10th and 11th home runs of the season. Aaron Judge is able to get his 15th of the season. Randy Dobnik served up all three of those, and then Randy Dobnik serves one up to Miguel Anduar, his fourth of the season. As for Dobnik, he's having just a year from a fiery inferno at this point. Four and two-thirds innings. Gives up eight runs, all of which were earned, including four home runs. From there, you wind up having three and a third innings from Griffin Jacks, who gives up one run, which wasn't too bad. Alex Kalman came into a game and didn't give up runs, so that was relatively solid. And for Palonco, his seventh of eighth home runs of the season, but not necessarily going well for the Minnesota Twins, to say the least. Things have been going very well for the Tampa Bay Rays all season long, and I believe that they had won 19 out of their last 22 going into this one, but they lose to the Washington Nationals by a count of 9-7 and 11. 
Patrick Corbin. Not sorry that you'd hope for, but not as bad as a lot of the ones that he's been given so far this year. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. Kyle Finnegan, one and a third innings out of the bullpen. Gives up a solo home run. Danny Hudson gives up a solo home run in one and two thirds innings. Brad Hand gives up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of two innings. And then Tanner Rainey was able to hold things down in the 11th. Going deep for the Tampa Bay Rays in this one. Joey Wendell off of Hudson for his seventh home run of the season. And then you were able to get the first home run of the career of their young shortstop in Mr. Taylor Walls. So that was solid. But Shane McClanahan, he was not long for this one. Gives up three runs over the course of three innings. And when you only get three innings out of your starter and the game goes to 11 innings, that's not necessarily too terrific as Ryan Thompson was able to give you a scoreless inning. Colin McHugh, three scoreless. But Jeffrey Springs winds up giving up two runs in an inning. You have Andrew Kittredge. Raises ERA to a buck 53 because he gave up two runs, one of which was earned in one and a third innings. Diego Castillo in the 11th inning gives up two runs, one of which was earned, and Ryan Sheriff was able to close things down in the 10th inning. But for the Nationals, the big hit that had been eluding them, they were able to get three of them. Juan Soto's eighth home run of the season, and Ryan Zimmerman, his seventh and eighth home runs of the season. So that was good for them. If you, like me, wound up having the over in the Mariners versus the Detroit Tigers game, it was a New York Post play today. New York Postal today now 8-1 in its last nine. Nine to six a final. This game was three to three going into extras. The game was four to three in the bottom of the tenth with two outs. A wild pitch by JT Chargois winds up giving the Detroit Tigers a tying run, and then from there the Seattle Mariners put up a five spot in the eleventh. Just an absolutely crazy game. Prior to that, Kyle Seeger gets his 12th home run of the season. That comes off of Casey Mize. For Mize, he gives up three runs over the course of six innings. Derek Allen gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run. Someone throw a parade. Gregory Soda, one and a third inning scoreless. Jose Cicero gives up that unearned run in the 10th inning. You wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Kyle Funkhauser as well. But Daniel Norris, five runs, four of which weren't given up in the 11th inning without any of them being home runs for the Tigers. Pair of bombs in this one. Robbie Grossman was able to get his seventh home run this season, and then Jake Rogers was able to get his second for Chris Flexen. He winds up giving up one of those home runs. Three runs in total over the course of six innings surrendered by him. From there, Paul Sewald, Rafael Montero, Drew Steckenrider, I'll give you a scoreless inning. Chargois winds up having that wild pitch in the 10th inning that gives up an unearned run. And then Chris Middleton closes things out, gives up two runs, one of which was earned in the 11th inning to be able to get the Seattle Mariners to 31-32, and 32, despite the fact that their run differential is something like negative 47 right now. It's absolutely insane. What else is absolutely insane? What we are seeing out of the Arizona Diamondbacks and their futility. 0-4, they wind up losing to the Oakland A's, and this has just gotten really bad for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm going to do the math right now on how many games they have lost, not in a row, but at the same time, just in this stretch. They were at 1.15-13 this year. Ever since then, they are 5-28. and 28. Good grief. The Arizona Diamondbacks, zero runs in this one. 0-4 with men in scoring position. Matt Peacock gives up five outs in his start. Gives up three runs, all of which weren't. Hey, the good news is a Diamondbacks bullpen, which has been one of the bottom five in the big leagues over the last 30 days in terms of ERA. They were good in this one. Safad Gicktering gives up a run in an inning, but Humberto Castellanos, three scoreless innings. Maybe they need to give him a start. Joe Manapoli, four outs without giving up a run, and Joaquin Soria strikes out the side in the eighth inning, but for the Oakland A's, Sean Manea just continues to be on point. The A's have won nine out of his last 11 games, six scoreless innings. You see, I was Meadow Petit, Lou Trevino, Jake Diekman. I'll give you a scoreless inning, and for the A's, two of six with men in scoring position, and they really didn't need it, and the San Francisco Giants, they wind up losing one to the Texas Rangers by kind of 4-3 in 11 for the Giants. Zach Liddell winds up serving as the opener, does not give up a run in an inning. Sam Long gives up just one run in four innings, punching out seven. Very good sign there as the Giants need a little bit more help with regards to the rotation due to injuries. Dominique Leone scoreless inning. Connor Menez, two scoreless innings. Taylor Rogers winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of two innings, and then Jake McGee gives up the unearned run in the 11th inning that cost them the game, but you have Chadwick Trump being able to give you his first home run of the campaign, and then you were able to get the third of the campaign out of a little bit of an unlikely source in Jason Vossler, who has been able to do some solid work for the Giants for the Texas Rangers. Kyle Gibson actually entered into this game with a sub-1 ERA at home. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings, both of those home runs from there. 
Brett Martin gives you two innings. He gives up one unearned run in extra innings. You wind up getting John King for two scoreless innings, and Spencer Patton was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. So that's what we all wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Wednesday. And if you're taking a look at things as of right now in Major League Baseball, with the Angels having played an under yesterday, I believe that they had played something like seven straight overs at home. They are now at home 23-11 and 11 to the over. That is the best mark out there in the American League. So that is something that certainly caught my eye if you're also looking at the run line. The San Francisco Giants have been able to cover two-thirds of their games on the run line so far this year. That is the best run line mark out there in baseball. But over the last three days, Overs are actually now behind unders. Unders 197 and 190 over the last 30 days. If you're looking at favorites, they are doing very solid. 60.1% clip, 239 and 159 with home favorites, 159 and 100. And if you're looking at home teams in general, hitting at a 54.8% clip over the last 30 days, I do think that that's significant because ballparks are starting to get a little bit more filled up. And if you're looking over the last seven days, really hasn't been much of a trend to the home teams, 46 and 44, but favorites, 56 and 32 over the last seven days. That's a 63.6% clip overs and unders over the last seven days are 43 and 43, and so that is dead even. And if you're looking for the season, unders, 440 and 439. So it's a dead eat there, and favorites hitting at a 56.8% clip at 413 and 390. So that's what we all saw from Major League Baseball on Wednesday. Now let's take a look at the NL Central. Let's take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, who have an off day today. Brendan Schaefer does a great job of that. He does the B-Shafe Daily Podcast. He is also out there with the CBS affiliate, in the great city of St. Louis, KMOV, that is Channel 4 out there. Going to be talking with them next about the Cardinals, about the NL Central, and the possibility of all three of the best teams in the National League being out west. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, and it's great to be joined by our next guest as this man does an absolutely terrific job being able to cover the St. Louis Cardinals for KMOV. That is the CBS affiliate out there in St. Louis, Channel 4, if you're looking to be a little bit more specific. He also does the B-Shape Daily Podcast. You're able to find that on Apple Podcasts. Pretty much, if you find this podcast on a certain platform, you're probably going to find it there. As it is Brendan Schaefer joining me on the podcast, you're able to follow him on Twitter, at B Schaefer 12, and I will spell out that last name for you. S C H A E F F E R. And Brendan, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Always good to catch up with you, Greg. It is great to have you aboard, and it is great what we're seeing out there in the NL Central as well. I feel like this is going to be a competitive race for the entirety of the season. The St. Louis Cardinals, the Chicago Cubs, along with the Milwaukee Brewers, all very tightly knit. These Cincinnati Reds can be able to claw their way out of things, but currently are in a little bit of a funk right now that has not necessarily been the best for them. And when you take a look at the NL Central picture in general, what do you make out of it? Because I do think that the Milwaukee Brewers have by far the best starting pitching, but they have by far the worst lineup. The St. Louis Cardinals are probably the most balanced team, and the best team at home is probably the Chicago Cubs, but they're also the worst team on the road. Yeah, there's the, every team's kind of got their little idiosyncrasies. Right now for the Cardinals, though, it's a real tailspin having lost for the past week, trying to find their way through some injuries right now. Their starting pitching the last time we spoke was in a much better spot than it is now. They've since lost Miles Michaelis. They've lost Jack Flaherty and Kwon Yun Kim also on the injured list right now. So St. Louis is in a position where they're scrambling. They could have to potentially go to some of the younger guys in the system a little prematurely given their situation right now. I think the Cardinals, I would agree with you, in general, in a vacuum, the most balanced club. But right now, they're just dealing with so many injuries. And then on the offensive side, a little bit of underperformance that is leading to their current slump that the Cardinals are no longer in the driver's seat of this division. Cubs and Brewers ahead of them right now in the NL Central standings. Yeah, it's really interesting to see what's happening with the St. Louis Cardinals because as we're doing this podcast, their game with the Indians has yet to get started and they've got Adam Wainwright going in this one. And we talk about needing to set up some of the young guys. It is helpful, in my opinion, that you've got a guy like an Adam Wainwright out there. But what I've noticed with him as well is that much like the Chicago Cubs, he has been terrific at home. He has not necessarily been so good on the road. What have you seen out of Wainwright so far this year? Because it feels like every time he pitches in St. Louis, he always gives his Cardinals team a tremendous chance to win. 
Meanwhile, on the road, he's just giving up run after run, and for the Cardinals to be able to win and it starts on the road, they need to be scoring a touchdown. Yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy trend that we've seen with Adam Wainwright really going back a couple of seasons. Ever since he kind of rebuilt himself in September of 2018, that's where he's credited the turnaround to begin for his career after going through a spell where he was injured for several seasons in a row. Coming back, he's still always been a better pitcher at home, and obviously you get the crowd in St. Louis. He's been a lifelong Cardinal and certainly feeds off of the energy he gets from the hometown fans. But yeah, with Wainwright, you're, you're glad on the one hand to be able to have him at 39 years of age, still performing at a pretty high level. And a couple of times this season, he's flirted with complete games and actually finished one off and a loss earlier in the campaign. But at the same time, you'd like to see that consistency because you've got enough issues in the rest of your rotation right now uh, than to have to be worrying about whether you're going to get good Wayno or bad Wayno, depending on where he's pitching. And so, as you mentioned, we'll see what it looks like for him. And by the time this podcast airs, we will have known, but Cardinals get the Cubs over the weekend, and Wayno obviously won't be in that series because the fact that he's pitching on Wednesday. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Cardinals' rest of the rotation is able to kind of follow in his footsteps going forward. And the Cardinals are going to be having a day off on Thursday, so that bullpen, all those guys are going to be having a little bit of rest, as we do have Brandon Schaefer joining me on the podcast. And you do bring up that series with Chicago, and I had mentioned it, the fact that the Chicago Cubs are really scuffling on the road. At home, they've been really good. And the textbook example of that, the man that's going to be going on Friday, Kyle Hendricks, he hasn't been as good at home this year. But, I mean, throughout his career, he looks like the professor whenever he's in Chicago. On the road, he just looks like a completely different guy. And as of right now, it looks like it is going to be Johan Oviedo who's going to be going for the St. Louis Cardinals. I know that they're probably going to be looking to him for some starts. It always feels like Yohan Oviedo gives you five innings and he gives up three runs. Really nothing more, really nothing less. You pretty much know what you're getting there. But who are some of the other guys that might be candidates for getting some starts with all the injuries to the Cardinals rotation? Yeah, it's a little bit up in the air right now, given where the team's at. You figure that John Gant will probably see a start at some point in that series, but it's a little bit questionable coming off of his worst start of the season. He's a guy that prior to his last outing had only once throughout the season allowed three or more earned runs. It was right at the number three. Every other outing was either zero, one, or two, but he had led the league in walks, and that finally caught up to him in his last start when he gave up a couple of long balls that followed walks and hit by pitches, and it just wasn't a great outing for him. That's kind of been the story of the Cardinals as of late. But with the injury to Kwon Young Kim, yeah, they've got some holes to fill within this rotation right now. And John Gant's really the only guy I can confidently say you're probably going to see over the weekend in addition to Oviedo. It's just going to depend on how they want to line things up after the off days. Yeah, and with Gant, is there a little bit of a fear by the Cardinals that he might start to regress? Because you mentioned the fact that he winds up having that bad start against the Cincinnati Reds. And prior to that start, he had a 160 ERA and a 152 whip, which is something... I don't know if I've ever seen for a pitcher throughout his first two months of the year. He was seemingly always going five innings, giving up like five or six hits, giving up three walks, and then he would give up one run in the process. Is there a little bit of a fear right now with Cardinals that, hey, maybe the first half of the season for John Gant was a little bit of an admiration and things might wind up sinking a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a fair question to ask because he came into the year as the number five starter, and basically with a number five, you're just happy to be able to see the guy keep you in games. To his credit, he had done that in every previous outing, but the way that he had done it had been through a little bit of smoke and mirrors, a lot of Houdini action to escape some jams with double plays, and you can't rely on that necessarily going forward. So either John Gant's going to have to up his game a little bit to prevent some of those free passes that he's been offering, or you can probably expect a little bit more of the same from what we saw in his last outing. And that's troubling when you consider, you know, you've got Wayne Wright, sure, but otherwise Carlos Martinez is really the only other starter. You mentioned Oviedo, but he's kind of been thrust into the role. Martinez is the only other guy that they can really say was part of this group to begin the season, and he just got blown up again earlier this week. So it's it's just looking bleak. If you don't have John Kent, you're really looking at Wainwright and a lot of question marks in this rotation. Yeah, it certainly is fascinating with the St. Louis Cardinals going into their game on Wednesday, by the way. A team that is 31-30 and 30 with a negative 27 run differential, which I feel like we've seen a lot of in the MLB this season. It has been absolutely insane as... We do have Brendan Schaefer joining me on the podcast, and we just take a look at the 
outlook of the MLB season in general. I do always like to say that the St. Louis Cardinals are a very steady team. No question, they're right now dealing with some injuries, but I do bring it up. I do think that their balance is going to serve them well moving forward, especially towards the back half of the season. But when you take a look at the picture of the National League in general, I take a look at the NL Central. I really don't see a team that is going to be able to win a wild card spot because with the Milwaukee Brewers, once again, tremendous starting pitching. I just don't know if you could hit 210 for an entire season like the Brewers are doing right now. Obviously, these teams are going to be able to beat up on the Pittsburgh Pirates, but you do have four solid teams out there in the NL Central. And when it comes to those wild card spots, I do think that a team like the Cubs, the Brewers, the Cardinals, they're going to be hard-pressed to be able to knock off teams like the Padres, Dodgers, and Giants out there in the NL West because I take a look at those three teams. Even though they're going to be playing against each other, they are going to get a bunch of freebie wins against the Arizona Diamondbacks and also the Colorado Rockies, especially when the Rockies are on the road. They have been absolutely atrocious on the road so far this year. But when you take a look at the wild card picture, could you really see any of these NL Central teams being able to make a run at it? Because I just have a feeling right now that we're going to see three NL West teams make the postseason. Yeah, the Giants have really come out and surprised some people, you know, turning things around, I think, a little quicker than necessarily anticipated. And that leaves them in a conversation with the Padres and Dodgers, both of whom you expected to be postseason teams. So that honestly kind of muddies the water a little bit for the NL Central. And the East doesn't look very strong right now as it is. But yeah, I I would have probably said coming into the season that NL Central was going to get two teams in there. I did think the Cardinals would win this division, and I had the Brewers sneaking in with a wild card. The Brewers, definitely on the pitching side, as as you mentioned, have been able to to get things going as of late, and they're on a hot streak right now. But the Chicago Cubs, young pitching staff, being able to buoy them up in some of their offense, the talent that really had carried them, there's still some holdovers from quality years when you thought they'd have the dynasty, and then it turned out to maybe just be one world championship, but some of those guys like Chris Bryant, Javi Baez re-emerging, showing that they're still elite caliber players at the MLB level. And with the young pitching that they're having, the Cubs kind of surprising a little bit as of right now. So the Cardinals really, to me, if, if the NL Central is going to get a second team, I think it might end up having to be the Cardinals find a way to turn things around uh, because if they don't, it, it, there could be some trouble because as you mentioned, when you got three teams that are, are so neck and neck like this, division has and you've got other guys out west saying yeah we don't really plan on stooping down to your level going to be a dogfight in that central for whatever spot they get which could just be the division champion i agree with you i do think that this is going to be a amazing race and i'm glad that you saw what i did there i pretty much exclude the excluded the nl east even though i do think that the atlanta braves have a chance to be able to pick it up a little bit have not liked what i've seen out of them to say the least but i do love about him but I do love what I'm seeing out of you, Brendan. You always do a great job day in and day out of being able to cover the game of baseball. Your main specialty is being able to cover the St. Louis Cardinals as you're a writer over there with KMOV. That would be the CBS affiliate, more specifically Channel 4, out there in the great city of St. Louis. And you also do the Be Shafe Daily Podcast, which you're able to find wherever you get this podcast that mainly dives into the St. Louis Cardinals, what's all going on in that realm and I know that you do a couple other things as well so let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what you've all got going on in general yeah absolutely you can follow me on twitter at bshafer12 always talking cardinals baseball over there in the last couple of days on bshafe daily it's been a bleak time if you're a cardinals fan you know that and so I I just literally after last night's loss I said twitter let me have it what are your questions comments and concerns and I really dove into how people think they could fix the St. Louis Cardinals right now. And so we spent 45 minutes last night kind of clearing the air and seeing where the Cardinals go from here. So uh, be sure to check that out on B-Shape Daily, especially if you're into the baseball Cardinals. There is nothing better than the fans playing armchair quarterback because sometimes you get absolutely tremendous ideas. Sometimes you get absolutely tremendously awful ideas. So it is always very interesting to see that. And as we know, fans, they always like to fend for their team. And it's what makes baseball and just sports in general so great because we all know that St. Louis has some of the best fans out there in baseball, at least in my opinion. Every time I've wound up interacting with fans of the St. Louis Cardinals, they just absolutely love their team. They always have their teams back, and Brendan has his finger on the pulse of the Cardinals. He has his fingers on the pulse of just baseball in general and is occasionally kind enough to join this podcast. So big thanks to Brendan Schaefer for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you a sign turtle on every game on the betting board for this Thursday as we touch them all.
Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. I'm back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by our good buddy covering the St. Louis Cardinals, Brendan Schaefer of the B-Shave Podcast, along with the CBS affiliate KMOV out there in the great state of Missouri for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this wonderful Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1. As per usual, we are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games. Typically, interleague games will be on the bottom, but we do not have any of those, and when it comes to the leagues, it goes in time order from there. This is the same order that I go in with a spreadsheet to keep things all nice, clean, and organized. And we do begin with that 51-52 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers hit third face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Keller is going to be going for the Buccos. Julio Arias is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers are finding themselves as favorites here. Anywhere between minus 210 and minus 225. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Pirates, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 176 and plus 198. Your total on this game is 9. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even and minus 110. For Keller, he has had his command issues to say the least over the last couple years. I still remember the streak he went on last year of two starts where he didn't allow a hit, but he allowed like eight walks and nine innings, or it might have been nine walks and ten innings. It was something just absolutely ridiculous. So there is that, and then you've got a Dodgers team that is really leading the league with regards to runs per game. Max Muncy has been able to do a terrific job for the team over a 425 on base, 13 home runs. He has been able to tear it up, and really, when you take a look at the LA Dodgers and who wound up being in the starting lineup yesterday. You had six of your guys with at least an on-base percentage of a 325, including the pitcher, excluding the pitcher, six out of eight. So, that is pretty darn impressive. Guys like Will Smith are able to get on base. Justin Turner down for what? Multiple home runs yesterday. He was able to get it done. Albert Pools has certainly not been an on-base guy, but he's able to give you a little bit of added power. And then when you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, you do have a couple guys that are getting on base for you. You bring back Brian Hayes, who apparently doesn't touch first base whenever he hits a home run, along with Kyle Moran, both of these guys hitting north of a 290. In the case of Hayes, more like a 340. Brian Reynolds has right around a 385 on base along with Adam Frazier, but then bottom lineup of this team is a massive issue. Guys like Michael Perez, Kaye Tom, Kevin Newman, Gregory Palanco, Philip Evans, only get 220 or lower. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is a bullpen that's actually really good. Richard Rodriguez has been able to give you some good innings. I like what you're able to get out of Sam Howard, Kyle Crick, these guys. And for the Dodgers, the bullpen can be a little bit up and down for the team, but I was actually very pleased as to what I saw out of them yesterday. Now, you wind up having to go through so many bullpen pieces, so they're going to be a a little bit worn down, but with Mr. Arias, I believe he's won at least six innings either every start this year or all but one of his starts, and you do want to be keeping in mind with Arias. Each out of his last eight starts have gone over the total, so there is that aspect of it, but I do think that things might be reined in a little bit more here. I'm not saying that we're going to be getting like a 2-1 to game of Leicester, but I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to do their part. I do think that Urias is going to be able to do a great job against the Pirates, which is why I set this all at 8.8, so we're going to be diving under there with the Dodgers. I set them at minus 218 on the money line, but if you're taking a look at the run line, you're finding that right in the neighborhood of about a minus 130, which is going to be a take for me. I'm going to reduce the juice, take that run line of the Dodgers to go along with this total under. We move on to 953, 954 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers hit the road face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati, and they are on to Luis Castillo, taking the bump for them. Meanwhile, Freddie Peralta is going to be on the bump for the Brewer. Brewer find themselves anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the red legs, you're going to be finding them as bad as even money, as good as a plus 109, and your total on this game is 8.5. With the 8.5, the unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even to minus 110. With Luis Castillo, it's been just an absolutely terrible year for him. He has two wins so far this year. He is with his eight losses either tied for the league lead or leading the league in that regard. Not necessarily a category that you want to be at. 663 ERA, home runs per nine, right around 1.6-ish. The command has not been there. He has given up in the neighborhood about four walks per nine innings, but he always has been a little bit better at home than he has been on the road, and that has been the case so far this year. Not much better at home, but he's giving up more like one home run per nine innings. Then you take a look at Freddie Peralta. This guy has been absolutely impressive. Right around 13 strikeouts per nine innings, 225 ERA. 
He's limiting contact in general. He's giving up fewer than four and a half hits per nine innings. He has been able to do an absolutely tremendous job now. He's facing off against the Cincinnati Reds team that at home this year, averaging just under six runs per game. They have been absolutely tremendous on the road. A very average offense, but you've got Jesse Winker, Nick Cassianos, pair of guys with north of a four on base, north of 345 batting averages. Now, you bring back Joey Votto. He hasn't necessarily done a lot this year, but a small sample size. Eugenio Suarez only in a buck 62, but he has been able to give this team a double-digit amount of formers. He's currently at 13 for this season. Jonathan India has been able to hit very well at home. On the road, it's been a little bit of a different story, but you've got a lot of guys stepping up for the team. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, good news is Omir Nervais back. 400 on base. He's able to hit right around a 300 for this bunch. Daniel Vogelback was able to get a home run yesterday, but he, along with Michael Pina, Travis Shaw, Jace Peterson, Daniel Robertson, Jackie Bradley Jr., Tyrone Taylor are all guys hitting a 220 or lower. Now, I will say for Vogelback, he's been able to get on base along with Peterson, but man, it's not necessarily been good at Peterson or relation, by the way. Christian Yelich only hitting a 240. He's been able to get on base, but you just expect more out of Christian Yelich and three home runs and 89 at-bats. That's just not getting the job done there. Obviously, El Garcia has been able to give you a little bit of power, and the good news for the Milwaukee Brewers is that Devin Williams, Josh Hader, both going to be available in the bullpen for the Cincinnati Reds. Their bullpen has been a little bit of a mess, but Ethan Embry, Amir Garrett, two of their less than trustworthy arms, wound up getting used up yesterday. You're probably going to be able to have TJ Antone come in if you need a couple innings for the team, but I just think that Freddie Peralta going to be significantly better than Mr. Luis Castillo in this spot, so I want to make them a minus 143 favorite, and with the way that things are currently going for the Cincinnati Reds, and the way that they actually generate runs on off offense, set this total at 8.6, so we're going to be taking the over along with the Brewers. 955, 956 on the betting board. You've got my New York Post play today as the Atlanta Braves hit the road faceoff against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is going to be going for the Phillies. Meanwhile, Ian Anderson is going to be on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. Bravos are fighting themselves as underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 115 and plus 122. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 127 and minus 135. Your total on this game is 8 overs. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even and minus 115. And the New York Post play today, which we've had one loser in the last nine days. So we're pretty hot with these is going to be the Atlanta Braves on the money line. I take a look at Ian Anderson. The team is 2-1 in his starts against the Philadelphia Phillies so far this year, and for his career, he's given up right around .7 home runs per nine innings. Facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies team that they rank 20th in the league with regards to home runs per game. The Atlanta Braves are number one with that regard. Now, the Braves got shut down yesterday, but... Gotta love what you're seeing out of Ronald Acuna Jr. 393 on base. He's been able to give the team 18 home runs. He has been terrific. Freddie Freeman, not necessarily hitting for average, but still 350 on base, 13 home runs. That's solid. Austin Riley's hitting above a 300, nearly a 400 on base. Abraham Almonte has actually been able to give you a little bit of something. William Contreras, Guillermo Redia, the understudies have been able to step up for the team. And then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. Having back Bryce Harper and JT Ryumuto, no question, is helping out the team. But you've got a lot of guys that they're sort of slugs. Andrew McCutcheon, 333 on base, but only hitting about a 220 for the team. He's been able to get a home run every 19 and a half at bats. You'd like to see a little bit more out of him. Now, they wind up getting Luke Williams to give them a two for four night yesterday. He's been able to do a little bit of something. And I will say, with the injured DD Gregorius, Ronald Torres has been able to step up. He's been able to do a little bit of something. Gene Segura is able to supply a bit of something, but I have no faith whatsoever this Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. I do recognize that they're better at home than they are on the road, but you've got guys like Sam Coonrod, Connor Brogdon, Archie Bradley, who's right now got an ERA right around a 4-3. David Ale, Hector Neris, they're not necessarily too terrific yet for the Atlanta Braves. The bullpen this year has not necessarily been able to put it together, but these guys have looked better recently. I'm taking a look at a guy like an A.J. Minter being able to step up for the team. Tyler Madzik got used up yesterday, but only for 13 pitches. Luke Jackson has been able to do a relatively solid job for the team, so I do think that there are some signs of life for the Atlanta Braves, and for Zach Wheeler, in his last seven starts against the Atlanta Braves, five of them, four punch-outs or fewer, four of them, he's given up at least three runs, he has struggled throughout his career against this Atlanta Braves team, I do think that Ian Anderson is going to be able to get the job done in this spot, which is why the New York Post play today, plus price here with the Atlanta Braves, and with this total, I did set it at 7.7, I think that both of these guys are going to be able to hurl quite well, we've seen quite a few unders so far this season in Braves versus 
Phillies, especially in Philadelphia. So, going to be riding with the under along with the New York Post of the day, which is the Braves money line. 957-958 on the bang board. The San Francisco Giants to throw it face off against Washington Nationals. Matt Max Scherzer is going to be going for the Nets. Anthony Nizcalfani is going to be on the bump for the Giants. Currently, this is a number that is currently only up at Circa and Westgate for the Nets. You're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 160 and minus 165 for the Giants. You're going to be finding them at plus 150 and your total on this game is 7 over and under both at minus 110 and I take a look at this spot and I certainly do lean to the San Francisco Giants. I realize that Mad Max Scherzer is still Mad Max Scherzer but I take a look at the way that the Giants have been able to put things together and it has been pretty stinking impressive. And for Anthony D. Scalfani, 351 ERA. He's given up a little bit too much hard contact right around 1.2-ish home runs per 9 innings but you take a look at what he's been able to do on the road. 263 ERA across 37 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are getting a 201 off of him. And then you take a look at Max Scherzer. He's given up right around 1.3-ish home runs per nine innings. The strikeouts are there. He's getting right around 12 punch outs per nine innings. 222 ERA. But with the Washington Nationals as well, you just fear this offense. They do an absolutely tremendous job of being able to reach base and then getting stranded on base. We see it time and time again. Trey Turner down for what? It's been solved for this team. He's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. He's hitting a 300. But Juan Soto still stuck at seven home runs. He's been able to get on base with like a 414 on base. He did it his eighth yesterday, so I'll give him that, but still, it's been a little bit of a rough go there. Ryan Zimmerman is someone that I do like, hitting just below 300, but Kyle Schwarber, Josh Bell, these guys hitting right around at 220 and not necessarily supplying a lot of boom has been hurting them for the Washington Nationals as well. They had to burn through a lot of their trustworthy bullpen pieces. Brad Hand, Danny Hudson, Kyle Finnegan, all used up yesterday and all for 20-plus pitches, which I really do think is a big kicker there. Meanwhile, you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. They did wind up having to go through quite a bit of their bullpen, but you still do have quite a few guys that you're going to be able to rely upon on this team. I do look at Jarlon Garcia being able to step up. That's big. You've certainly been able to have a tremendous year out of Buster Posey. He's sitting right around a 333 double-digit amount of homers. Brandon Crawford has been solved for this team. He's been able to supply 13 bombs, 354 on base. Brandon Belt is back. He's got a 360 on base. Lamonte Wade Jr. hitting a 285 has been terrific at the top of the lineup. Donovan Solano's giving you good at bat. Steven Duggar's hitting a 300. So I take a look at the Giants. I do think that they're going to be able to get a relatively solid start here out of Anthony D. Scalfani. I don't know if he plays even up with Max Scherzer or not, but even if the Giants are down 1 when he winds up exiting the game, that Nationals bullpen is very much gas. I want to setting the total at 7.8 as a result, so I'm going to be taking it over, and I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Giants. 959-960 on the bang board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road face off against the Miami Marlins. We've got Trevor Rogers going for the fish. Chichi Gonzalez going for the Colorado Rockies. Rockies find themselves as significant underdogs here, and rightfully so. Anywhere between plus 169 and plus 175. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the fish, anywhere between minus 184 and minus $2, your total on this game is 7.5. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The overs anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. For Trevor Rogers, it certainly has been a very good year for him. He has been able to do a great job with in the neighborhood of about 12 strikeouts per nine innings, give or take a little bit, and then he's going up against someone in Chichi Gonzalez I'll actually say he's been above average for Colorado Rockies pitching with a 484 ERA. He doesn't get any strikeouts whatsoever, right around like 4.7-ish per nine innings, but you take a look at him. On the road, he has not been good. 0-3 record, 6-3 ERA at home. Actually, a 2.95 ERA, which I actually find to be quite impressive, but he's been able to do a solid job of being able to just give this team some innings, which... As bad as it sounds, you really need that if you're the Colorado Rockies. Good news for the Rockies is they got their fifth road win of the season yesterday. Whoop-de-doo, because it has been bad for the Colorado Rockies on the road as a collective. They're hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200. Remy Tapia has been able to give you a little bit of something. Charlie Blackman in road games has been able to hit just below a 300. Ryan McMahon has been able to supply a little bit of boom as well. Jonathan Daza has actually stepped in and done a good job, but you still have Trevor Story on the injured list. It's just not been a good year for the team, to say the least. And for the Miami Marlins, you've got a lot of guys hitting between a 265 and a 275. Corey Dickerson, Asus Hagiar. Jazz Chislam, and for Asus Aguiar, he has been able to give this team over 45 RBI, a double-digit amount of home runs. Adam Duvall, even though the batting average is not there, he got his 10th home run the season yesterday. Now, you need a couple of guys to be able to step up with the average. Duvall is in that pocket. Jose Devers, Jonathan Daza, Sandy Leon, John Birdie, all these guys are right now hitting a 215 or lower for this bunch, so it certainly has not necessarily been too terrific. And hey, they now have Luan Diaz being able to give this team some at-bats, which is not necessarily too terrific. And you take a look at the Miami Marlins. They certainly did have to burn through their bullpen yesterday. Adam Cinder, Anthony Bass. 
Anthony Bender, John Curtis with two S's, Dylan Floro all wind up pitching, but Yimi Garcia is going to be available. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is a bullpen that has been a hot mess. Carlos Estevez has probably been their most trustworthy piece other than maybe Daniel Bard, and he winds up getting used up in back-to-back days. Michael Givens thrown for 20 pitches yesterday. You are going to have the presence of Mr. Bard out there, and Robert Stevenson has been able to give you a little bit of something, so you've been able to have a tad bit of success there, but I take a look in this spot. Colorado Rockies have just been absolutely terrible on the road. I don't think that there's any way that they could get wins in back-to-back days, and if you're taking a look at the Miami Marlins run line, I'm seeing as high as a plus 110 on the run line to lay a run and a half in a couple offshore places along with that circus. So I'm going to wind up taking advantage of that. I was actually willing to lay a small price here with the Miami Marlins and I wound up saying this all at 7.9. So we're going to be taking it over along with the fish. 961-962 on the betting board. The Seattle Mariners hit the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers. This is a game that is presently off the board because we have no idea who the Tigers are going to be throwing out there. Especially with the fact that they wind up playing an extra inning game yesterday and their bullpen got completely destroyed in the 11th inning. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, it is going to be Justice Sheffield. And just to let you in behind the curtain, I am doing this just after the Seattle Mariners wound up playing five in the 11th inning to be able to cash that over for the New York Post play of the day. So that is absolutely tremendous. But you take a look at the Seattle Mariners team. You've got quite a few guys hitting at or below the Mendoza line of 200. It has not necessarily been terrific. Jose Goodoy, along with Tom Murphy... Tyler Trammell's come back to the big leagues. Dylan Thomas, they have not necessarily been too terrific. And for Kyle Seager, hitting a 214, but he came through when we needed him most for a three-run homer yesterday. J.P. Crawford has been able to do a little bit of something for this team. 345 on base. Mitch Hanniger, double-digit amount of homers, hitting in the neighborhood of a 255. He's been solid. And then when you take a look at the Detroit Tigers, this is a bunch that they are towards the bottom in pretty much every offensive category, but they have been able to get a little bit of something out of a few of these guys. You've currently got Jameer Candelario not with the team, but Akil Badu has been able to give you right around a 340 on base. Eric Koss is a guy that has been able to put bat to ball with eight home runs. Jonathan Scope has been able to have a little bit of odd streak for the team, now hitting right around 253. He is hovering right around eight to nine home runs so far this year, so he certainly has been able to give you a little bit of something. And then at the top, Robbie Grossman is doing a good job of being able to get on base, so got a little bit of something there, but you take a look at what you're able to get out of Justice Sheffield. I do think that he's going to be able to deliver a relatively solid start. Now, he's got right around a 470 ERA so far this year, but if you take a look at the last two years combined, he's given up right in the neighborhood about .7 home runs per nine innings. No question. A couple more this year, and on the road, he does have a 6 ERA, but he is going up against a bunch of which haven't necessarily gotten a lot of offense going, and the big question for the Tigers is, who in the world is going to be pitching for this team? Because you take a look at the bullpen, they used up so many arms yesterday. I've got to think that perhaps you wind up having someone like a Taylor Alexander give you a couple innings in this spot and then from there you try to piecemeal it together. I do think that Michael Fulmer is currently on the 10-day injured list, which is not necessarily going to be helping out this team. I know that Tariq Skubal is someone that they might wind up looking due to short rest. I sort of doubt it at this point, but it could be a situation in which you try to just get a couple innings out of them, but it is not going to be pretty for the Tigers to say the least. This is probably going to be a spot in which I'd be setting this total in the neighborhood of about an 8.5. So an 8.5 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over 9 or higher. I'd probably be taking a look at the under, and I think that the Seattle Mariners, despite the fact that this is a team in which they have been terribly lucky given their run differential, I do think that they are going to be a team that should be relatively solidly favored in this spot because the Detroit Tigers bullpen stinks. Actually, both of these bullpen stink, and they are both going to be out of gas, but at the very least, you've got a competent starting pitcher, which the Detroit Tigers are not going to be throwing out there. Check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren's41, but would not be surprised if I make the Mariners right around like a minus 145-ish favorite. 963-964 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing us to the Houston Astros. Zach Ranke is going to be going for the Strohs. Meanwhile, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be going for the Boston Red Sox. This is a relative pick'em game here. With the Astros, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 110. You're going to be finding them, I guess you could call it as good as a plus 104. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Red Sox, you're going to be finding them as good as a minus 101, as bad as a minus 114. Total on this game is nine over and under are anywhere between even money and minus 120. So you've got your range there. And for Zach Granke, he has been able to do a relatively solid job this year. 
year. And the big thing with him is that he hasn't necessarily been able to get the strikeouts, but he's still doing a great job of being able to induce soft contact, and he's not hurting himself with walks, and he's actually been very good away from home. 531 home ERA, but this is a road game. So he, in six starts on the road so far this year, buck 50 ERA, 4-0 record. Opponents are earning a buck 75 off of him. He's had six walks in 42 innings, so he's really been able to dial it in. Eduardo Rodriguez back in 2019 actually led the American League in walks. He's been able to do a better job with his command. Problem is, he's out giving up bombs. He has given up right in the neighborhood about 1.4 home runs per nine innings, and that's an issue. When you face off against a team like the Houston Astros, and the last time he faced the Astros, now this was in Houston, gave up six runs in four and two-thirds innings, giving up a home run in the process. That is not necessarily too terrific. Now, when you take a look at the Boston Red Sox, this is a team in which the bullpen has been relatively solid, but I've been saying it all year. There's going to be regression with them. Garrett Woodlock, Phillips Valdez, both used for 17-plus pitches yesterday. Hirokazu Saramura has been very solid for the team. I like what he's able to bring to the table along with Adam Adovino. And you take a look at the Red Sox lineup in general. They're doing a great job of being able to get on base. You've got J.D. Martinez back along with Xander Bogarts. Pair of guys hitting above a 310. Pair of guys with north of a 375 on base. You've been able to get a whole heck of a lot of something out of Rafael Devers. He has been able to supply 15 home runs, hitting in that pocket at 275. But you've got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up. Marwin Gonzalez, Danny Santana, they've not been able to get the job done. Christian Arroyo is someone I do like for the same catcher spot in general. has been relatively solid. And then we take a look at the Houston Astros. You've got Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Gurriel, Michael Brantley. All hitting at least a 290 for this team. And I think that everyone except for Alvarez has an on-base percentage of at least a 350, and then you factor in that Kyle Tucker. He's been able to hit right around a 260-ish, really heated up in the month of May. He has been able to give you 11 home runs, hasn't been able to do it with the power, but you take a look at what he's been able to do recently. He's had a multi-hit game in four of the team's last six, so he is starting to heat up for the same Miles Straw, now hitting in that pocket of a 250, and the Houston Astros bullpen, because Christian Javier and Jake Odorizzi wound up pretty much splitting the game yesterday. It is very well rested. Ryan Presley has been able to be solved for the team. Now, Brooks Rayleigh is not necessarily been good. Inoli Paredes is someone that I trusted. He wound up having a rough start to the year. Came off the injured list. He's looked a little bit better since then. Brandon Bielak, who is going to be their long guy, he is back in the fold for this team, so that is going to be very helpful. But I do take a look at this spot. I do think that the Astros have a pretty good advantage here. Zach Granke is someone that I always am able to trust in. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking the money line of the Astros. I want to say them as a minus 123 favorite. Also set this total at 9.1 because I do think that Rodriguez is going to struggle. Astros are the team committing the fewest strikeouts per game of any team out there in baseball as well, so I do look at that, and I do think that Granke gives up a couple runs to the Boston Red Sox, so going with the over along with the Strohs. 965-966 on the betting board. You've got the Toronto, aka Buffalo Blue Jays in the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. Dallas Keuchel is going to be going for the Sox. Hunjin Ryu is going to be going for the Blue Jays. Blue Jays find themselves as favorites here, anywhere between minus 114 and minus 118. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the White Sox. That is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 107. So you've got a range here. Total is 8.5 with the over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And for Dallas Keuchel, he is not getting strikeouts. No ifs, fans or buts about it, but he's been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to zero in. He wound up having a little bit of a walks issue at the beginning of the year, but he has really been able to dial it in recently. He has given up one walk or fewer in four out of his last five starts. Now, I will say he's given up runs in general. He's given up at least three runs in four out of his last five starts, and the other start was against the Detroit Tigers, so there was that aspect of it. Meanwhile, you take a look at Ryu. He has been able to do a solid job of being able to get strikeouts, eight per nine innings. Never has been, never will be a guy that gets you a ton of punch outs, but you take a look at what he's been able to do, and it's pretty impressive with regards to the command. 11 walks and 64 innings. Now, he got lit up in his last start against the Houston Astros. Gives up seven runs, six of which were earned in that one, but away from home, he's been able to do a relatively solid job. Away from home, he's got opponents hitting right around 247. He's getting nine strikeouts per nine innings. He's backed up by a bullpen that is a little bit banged up, but you still do have a couple guys that you're able to trust. And Anthony Castro has been able to give you a couple good innings out of the bullpen for the team. Julian Merriweather is currently on the injured list, but you've been able to get a whole lot of something out of Joel Payampas. He has been able to come in time and time again, and he's been able to get the job done for this team. A sub-3 ERA for him. Jordan Romano has been relatively good for this team. Now, Rafael Dolis is currently rocking right around a 4-5-ish ERA, but he's shown some good promise in the past, and for 
the Chicago White Sox. I do like what you're getting out of Aaron Bummer, Ryan Burr. You want to have it a little bit of a rough start to the year for guys like Matt Foster and Evan Marshall, but these guys have been able to come around, and then you take a look at the Blue Jays in general. You've got a very dangerous lineup. Flaguero Jr., 18 home runs, nearly a 440 on base. Randall Gritchick has been able to get this team 13 home runs. He's hitting a 280. Marcus Simeon, 290 batting average with 13 home runs. Bo Bichette, 275. He's been able to give the team 11 home runs. Lord Gurriel, Joe Panic, pair of guys hitting between a 255 and a 265. Tasker Hernandez has some pop in the bat. He's hitting just below 300. And then you take a look at the White Sox. This is actually not a team that's getting a bunch of homers, but you've got a whole bunch of guys that are doing a great job of being able to get on base. Nick Madrigal, Tim Anderson, Yohan Moncada, all guys hitting between a 290 and a 305. Throwing the yard of him, Mercedes as well. He's had a little bit of a dip recently, but he's been solid in for Moncada right around a 420-ish on base. Yasmani Grandal is one of the most interesting things I've ever seen. Buck 55 batting average, 9 home runs at a 394 on base. So I don't know where that's necessarily coming from. Adam Eaton has been having a rough year to say the least. Daniel Mendick as well, but Jake Lamb right around 360 on base. I do think that this is a spot though in which you've got to be trusting in these White Sox bats because they have just absolutely pounded left-handed pitching. 27-4 and in their last 31 games in which are started by a left-hand pitcher. And if you're taking a look at the team numbers whenever they face off against left-hand pitching going into yesterday, 500 total at-bats, 20 home runs, and they've been able to hit a 272 with a 349 on base. So they certainly do an absolutely impressive job there. I just think that this is a little bit of a tough matchup here for you. I think that he's going to be able to give you a little bit of a solid start, but I do think that the White Sox could be able to put runs upon the board. I did wind up saying this total 8.4, so I'm going to be taking it under, but I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the White Sox with all the success that they've had against left-handed pitching. 967-968 on the bang board. You've got the New York Yankees hitting the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. J.A. Hepapare is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. As of right now, I am seeing Michael King for the New York Yankees. Currently, this is a game that is presently off the board because bookmakers are trying to determine whether or not King is actually going to get the start here for the Yankees, but I've got my numbers. If it is King versus App, I'm making the Yankees a minus 113 favorite and setting this all at 8.7. So an 8.5 or lower going to be taking a look at the over. A 9 or higher going to be taking a look at that under for J.A. Happ. He has had his problems with giving up home runs in the past, but going to a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark has helped him out there in Minnesota. Now, he has given up 8 home runs in 51 and a third innings so far this season, but you take a look at what he's been able to do at home. 3 home runs, given up in 26 innings. Opponents are hitting a 204 off of him. Being a fly ball pitcher, Minnesota, a very good fit for him. Meanwhile, you take a look at Michael King. In long relief, he was doing an absolutely terrific job. In his two starts, he has won a grand total of 72 thirds innings, giving up eight runs, six of which were earned. He had just not been the same guy as a starter. Now, he is backed up by a bullpen that's relatively solid. Jonathan Luizga is able to give you multiple innings along with Lewis Sessa, so that is very solid with Sessa, who did wind up getting used up yesterday, so you got to figure that it's going to be Luizga, but Wandy Peralta is going to be available for this team. Lucas Lutija has been solid, or all the Chapman. If you wind up having a lead, he's able to protect it in the ninth. And for the Minnesota Twins, this is a bullpen that has just not been good. Cody Sashek has not been good for this bunch. Alex Colme has been a waste of money. Now, Taylor Rogers and Anton Robles have been relatively solid, but for Rogers, he certainly has had his ups and downs. Luke Farrell, someone that I don't necessarily trust in. And for the Minnesota Twins, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries, so they've had to trot out there. A couple of younger guys. Trevor Larnich is getting some at-bats. Now hitting right around at 260. Nick Gordon in a very, very small sample size up has been solid, and Alex Korloff now hitting at 250. He's been able to hit a couple home runs, Miguel Sano. He's held 10 home runs in the last month or so, so he's been able to pick it up there, but still hitting well below the Mendoza line of 200, 274 on base, and Dalton Simmons hitting at 260 for the team is solid, and Nelson Cruz has solid numbers overall for the year, right around a 280 batting average with a double-digit amount of homers, but ever since coming off the injured list has not been the same guy. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Yankees, very top-heavy line of Glaber Torres, Giancarlo Santin, Gio Urshela, along with even someone in their young third baseman in Tyler Wade. All these guys are in between a 263 and a 275, so you've been able to get a little bit of something there. Aaron Judge has right around a 400 on base. He has been able to do some terrific work for the team, and John Carlos Santon getting a pair of home runs yesterday, and Aaron Judge getting one. That is absolutely huge, but you've got a lot of slugs on this team. Chris Gittins, along with Rudad Odor, Brett Gardner, Kyle Gashioka, Gary Sanchez, 
These guys are hitting a 200 or lower throw in there. Clint Frazier as well. It has certainly not necessarily been a great situation for them, though I will say Miguel Andujar, even though he's riding no walks whatsoever, he's been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to give the team some solid at-bats, being able to give the team a little bit of power. So I think a look in this spot, if it is King versus App, like I think it is, like I said, Yankees minus 113 favorite, 8.5 for lower, going to be taking a look at the over, 9 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under. And we're things up with 969, on the betting board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing against the Kansas City Royals. Mike Miner, the former A, hopes to be not a major disappointment for Kansas City. Meanwhile, one Frankie Montas is going to be going for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves anywhere between minus 147 and minus 162 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Royals, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 137 and plus 140, seeing a straight plus 130 out there as well. You probably don't want that. Your total on this game is 8 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. For Miner, it just has not been a good run for him so far this year in general. 484 ERA. The contact has just been a little bit too much. Right around 1.4-ish home runs per nine innings. Now, on the road, he's actually been solid. 312 road ERA in five starts. He has given up four home runs in 26 innings, and he's given up on the road right around 4.7-ish walks per nine innings, but opponents are a buck 88 off of him at home. He has been a little bit of a hot mess, to say the least. And then for Frankie Montas, last year he was tremendous at home. Terrible on the road. So far this year, 531 home ERA, 313 road ERA. So... That has been very fascinating to see, and for Montas at home so far this year, he's given up right around two home runs per nine innings, but you take a look at the Oakland A's, this is a team that they're doing a very good job of being able to get on base. Their leadoff man, Mark Canna, he can give you a double-digit amount of home runs, 385 on base to be able to lead games off. Matt Olson has been terrific for the team, 275 batting average, 366 on base, 15 home runs. Jed Lowry sitting right around at 260. You've got quite a few guys at the bottom, like Sam Murphy, Seth Brown, Matt Chapman, Elvis Andrews. All these guys hitting a 215 or lower, but you take a look at Chapman and Murphy, both of these guys north of a 300 on base. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of the bullpen as well. Submergio Romo is someone that I just have absolutely no faith in whatsoever, but Birch Smith has been relatively solid for the team. Lutrovino was used yesterday, but only for 11 pitches, so he should be available. Diolius Carrera has been able to give you a little bit of something for the Kansas City Royals. Their bullpen and is starting to get back to full force. You've got Josh Samout who has come off the injured list for this team. Kyle Zimmer has actually been very good for them. you got Jake Brent, Scott Barlow. A pair of guys are able to give you a little bit of something, but they're probably going to need to look to their bullpen quite a bit. And this is a Royals team that, on the road, they have played just under 60% of their games to the under. This is a bunch of which they do have a couple guys who are able to get on base for you. Andrew Benintendi, Salvador Perez, and for Perez, he has been able to give this team 40-plus RBI, 14 home runs. Carlos Santana, guy with a 372 on base, but only a 236 batting average. And then you take a look at some of these guys like a Nicky Lopez, Ode Soler, Hunter Dozier. They need to pick it up with the batting average in for Soler. Five home runs so far this year after he had 48 in 2019 is... Fall has been really, really sad. You've been able to get Ansel Alberto going whenever he's out there. He's been able to do a solid job along Gerard Dyson. They've been in and out of the fold, though, but I do take a look at this spot. I do think that the Oakland A's should be a very sizable favorite. I personally set them at minus 171. If you're taking a look at a run line, I would need to be pretty much not be laying a price to be able to take it with the Oakland A's, and I'm seeing that right around a plus 140 at Circa. Most other places have more in the neighborhood of a plus 125 to a plus 130. With the way the Mike Miner pitches, I'm willing to lay that run in half. Also set this all at 9.4, so going to be taking the over along with that Oakland A's run line, and that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Thursday. A big thanks to our good friend Brendan Schaefer out there in the great city of St. Louis for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have questions for this podcast, one of two ways we will fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, the letters EM, they mean does not matter, so I always send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, giving you guys picks and analysis on every single game. So I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.